Audio courtesy NFL Network, CBS, and Westwood One. Good morning. Morning, Kenny. We have a defensive coordinator, and we will talk about him coming up momentarily. Uh, Ken Dorsey. Offensive. We have a defensive coordinator in Jim Schwartz. We have an offensive coordinator now in Ken Dorsey. I don't know why my brain went to that. We have an offensive coordinator now in Ken Dorsey. So Ken Dorsey, maybe it's because I'm. I think people are going to have to be defensive over Ken Dorsey. That coming up here in a bit. So Ken Dorsey is, uh, according to Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport and all the, all the main players. Ken Dorsey is your new offensive coordinator to the Cleveland Browns, and I can't. Ario Speedwagon said they couldn't fight this feeling, and I cannot fight this negativity that I'm having around this hire. That coming up. Hold off on that because I got to think about it. Uh, both games yesterday, uh, Lima said he was bored. You said you were bored the on the phone game. yesterday by the first game. Yeah, the first game was boring. Yeah, why? Because I never felt I never felt that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens had a chance once they got down early. And Kansas City just had those lengthy drives to start the game. It took the wind out of the sails. It took it out of the crowd. It uh, So if you're – maybe it's not boring if you just – all you cared about was the Ravens losing – I, I had a good time. I imagine you did. I actually also kind of had a good time because I wanted the Ravens to lose. Yeah, but I didn't want that at the – the most important thing for me when you only have two games left in the season is good games because I had, I had, I had the in-laws were over. It's like we are sitting there. If the game is not good, now i got to talk to the in-laws. Yeah. I've got I've to do things that are non-football oriented. We have to get into conversations about politics a good game gets us out of that. I heard a, Bernie's fun to talk about. Absolutely is. A good game gets you out of having to worry about any of that. You're just dialed into good football, and you're sitting there, you know, mouth ajar, talking at well, great football. That was w- not a great football game. In fact, even the Chiefs, the Chiefs were as good as Patrick Mahomes is. They couldn't, other than some huge third down conversions, they couldn't really get anything in the end zone. So that's why that game was boring to me all the way around. Well, you had it was a 10-point game, basically the entire game, and then Zay Flowers trying to reach across the end zone, which that turned into a major controversy, which you and I talked about. Everybody calls it stupid. And I I I did the same thing with Hollywood Higgins and I do the same thing here. It's like you tell them to be playmakers, getting in the end zone is part of making a play. Now, I know that everybody's taught to punch the ball out, get that ball. Everybody's teaching it. Then the, And people go, can they teach it? And I go, yeah, we also want our playmakers to make plays. They, you want Zay Flowers, who is your primary target on offense, to get the damn ball in the end zone because you're never too sure about whether or not you're going to get it in. You can always say, well, if you can't get it in from a foot out or from, from a yard out, then I guess you don't deserve it. Okay, fine, but he has this chance to get in the end zone. And part of what we love is people trying to get in the end zone and making great plays. The moment they mess up, then we go, wow, how stupid it is. I think people just want to be entertained. And then they were entertained and they could come off with a, with a great take about that. Or what they think is a great take. That That's my entire th- yeah, opinion I just, of it. I, like, I wonder if because these happen, especially what happened last week with Kansas City, and because this happened with Zay Flowers, I wonder if so many, remember, the, these, these games, the most watched games all year, I mean, we're talking 40 plus million people are going to be watching these games, maybe more, maybe 50. Yeah. And because the stakes are so high and that happened, and we know like Bill Belichick famously coaches don't even try it. Like that is the, every guy who's ever played for Belichick says, Oh no, we knew we were not allowed yeah, to try it. I would, know we'd get benched. We'd, I know we'd get benched if we scored a touchdown. And since, and we'd get, we'd get a talking to coming off the field. Even if we scored a touchdown, and since it's Belichick, so I wonder if because of that now 
it almost be reinforced to such a point. In the other game, Debo Samuel had a chance uh, to, to uh, he got like down to the two yard line on a big play and did not extend his arms. Did not just, just kind of turtled up and went down. And I'm like, hey, I wonder if he was watching in the locker room what happened in the first game. He, uh, I, you know, they he gets the taunting penalty, which I think compounded the craziness against Zay Flowers when he got the ball popped out. But he had the taunting penalty. Then they go back to the 30-yard line. Then he catches the ball for the first down. So he's he, he is he's the big gain, and he's the penalty. Then he's the first down, and then he's almost the touchdown. Or what would have been the... I mean, that's four plays right there. That shows you how much of a, of a part of the offense he plays. Like, Odell's a whatever at this point. I know that they have Isaiah Likely, who's all right. Mark Andrews is is coming back from a serious injury. So Mark Andrews plays a bigger part of that think, offense than what people would think or what they would Mark, hope. I think Mark Andrews' return kind of hurt the Ravens because Maybe it did. they did not focus on the guy that had been lighting everybody up, you know, since Andrews went down, which was likely. But ultimately, when I look at what the big part of that offense is, I mean, Zay Flowers, and it was in this game that he was basically their only, that he became their only threat with him and Lamar. I'm like, man, I... I got nothing. I got. I got nothing for Zay Flowers. It's not like I like Zay Flowers, but I'm going. We ask these guys. We demand of these guys to be playmakers. He's out there trying to make a play, and I have to argue how stupid it is. And I don't want to call playmakers stupid for trying to make a play. I mean, I've seen plenty of business decisions out there that have made me far angrier than anything I've ever seen with Zay Flowers. He's going for the end zone. Does it matter what team you're on? Like the Ravens, who inexplicably yesterday just flat out didn't run the ball. Their running backs. Uh, only ended up with six carries yesterday. Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. They ended up with six carries yesterday. But normally, you know, and by every metric, that team can get a yard, can get two yards. Does that matter? Where if you're on the Carolina Panthers, you're not going to get in the end zone. Might as well try. But if you are on the Ravens, you've got so many of those great plays inside the five-yard line. You've got mm-hmm. – you didn't see it yesterday – but you've got the jumbo packages. You've also got the threat of Lamar where, hey, a coach tells you, Harbaugh tells you, we don't need to do that because we have full capability, full capacity to be able to score touchdowns down there. We'll use all four downs to do it. Yeah. I uh, Does that factor in? I, I, I think it does a little bit, but. So do you think this could be a sea change? Ha- having these mistakes in these types of games get you, get you to think differently and maybe the players start operating differently. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to. If everybody's saying it, there has to be. I can't just sit there and fight it just because everybody else wants it to be that way. I'm with you. It's one of the most exciting so, plays you can have in football. But they've de they've they've de incentivized. Yeah. Because if you fumble the ball out of the end zone, they don't even have to recover it until they might change the rule this offseason, which the competition committee uh, has openly talked about changing that. Well, rule. it's a fumble through the end zone. Yeah. What's that? Like people were saying, well, the the rule strikes again and go. Well, that was a live ball. Couldn't they have? Couldn't a Raven have jumped on that football the and Chiefs, that's a touchdown? The Chiefs recovered yeah. it. That's so, why this is different. Well, I, obviously, but a fumble's a fumble. So if it happens in the ten yard span past the goal line, a live ball's a live ball. Only if it goes to the side or is it out, do I think a little bit differently about it? Because it's like, well, the other team didn't recover the football. So if the other team recovers the football, then there you go. If you recover the football, then I, hey, it's it's where the spot is where you recover the football and you happen to recover your own fumble in the end zone. You've scored a touchdown. A loose ball is a loose ball is a loose ball. I only think if it goes out of bounds, all right, the punitive damage of it should be you get the ball back at the 25 or the 40 is where it should be. 
which I think the 40 would be a hell of a penalty to pay for fumbling the ball through the end zone and doing that. But if you fumble the ball in the end zone and Kansas City comes up with it in that case, then yeah, it's Kansas City's ball. It'd be Kansas City's ball in, in real life. So why not just let Kansas City have the ball? Or the anybody else who were to, the defense, if they were to recover, that'd be fine. It, it's just, you know, reaching for it, trying to make, trying to score touchdowns. You know, nobody says at a, at a negotiation table, hey, you remember that time you took care of the football and we were down at the one-yard line. And we're gonna we're gonna give you a bonus on something like that. Like, no, it's you score touchdowns. You know, guys get bonuses for touchdowns. Guys get paid bigger contracts because of touchdowns. They go to Pro Bowls because of touchdowns or the Pro Bowl games well, or it's whatever. So it's so uh, tantalizing yeah. because right now this is why it's crazy. The risk reward is actually pretty interesting. The risk is all you have to do is just glance the pylon for one one millionth of a second and it's a touchdown. Yes. You don't have to control the ball diving to the to the ground. You don't have to survive the ground. None of that stuff matters. You don't have to get more feet in after you do it. And that's why it's so tantalizing. Maybe that's why it's so exciting. But I do think they're going to change the rule anyway. So if they change the rule this offseason, it just goes back to yeah. where you fumbled the ball. And if there's no clear recovery, do you think more guys then say, hey, heck, fine, we are going to do it. It's pretty clear the Chiefs coach that better than most. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think everybody tries to do it, but, they, man, they – to have that type of presence of mind to be able to do that in that moment was just outstanding. To get that ball out of there was just outstanding. But I, I found the game to be uh, pretty decent. I, I didn't think it was God's gift of football. I'm not sitting there lying about that. Uh, I found the game to be pretty decent. But Kansas City's back in the Super Bowl. You had three points in the second half. Yeah, Kansas City's back in the Super Bowl, which is... Um, I wasn't like an exultation that the Ravens had lost. I, I don't want to sell myself. It was just... All right, that's that. And then I'm going, well, Kansas City's going back to the Super Bowl again. And then I, it, it made me think about the long-term scope of it going, if the Ravens would have been to the Super Bowl, would have went to the Super Bowl, it's like, all right, now I got to deal with Lamar in my own division. Does well, he always deal, have to? Well, he's not going away. You yeah. got to deal with him anyway. But, I mean, you want it, we are going to have a different conversation about Lamar coming up later on in the show. By the way, Ken Dorsey, an offensive coordinator for your Cleveland Browns, we'll talk about him soon. Um like, he's in our own division. I know he's not going away, but then there's a big conversation being had about the seriousness of Lamar Jackson for whatever reason. But the moment Kansas City, and I mean the moment, like, the, the game was over and it was in hand, I'm thinking, man, they this is supposed to be a roster turnover year. This is supposed to be the first of two to three roster turnover years with what they have, probably two, and they're still in the Super Bowl. Now, I know that at some point, Travis Kelsey has to say bye-bye. According to Michelle Tafoya, it's going to be coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, but if they're still able to go to a Super Bowl, when this is not a great roster, and we talked about it all year long, and they're still able to go, which, hey, congratulations. I mean, Montez Valdez-Scantling was great in the postseason. And I was seriously, I was moments away from texting Owen about George Karloff just going, man, this guy's a jag. And then he just started swatting the ball out of people's hands and getting sacks. And I, it was like, whoa, what is going on with this guy? It was unbelievable. Like, these guys just show up in the postseason almost where it's it's almost turned into the NBA, where he's LeBron, and they don't need to win every single game in the regular season as long as they get to the postseason. And once they get to the postseason, they're going to turn it on, and and that's where they show up. And it... That is not good for the general interest to everybody else. It's not good. Like, everybody feels they have a chance. This is the first time I'm like, eh. 
And I maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe we did that with Brady and Belichick, but and they went 10 years without they went to a Super Bowl, obviously, but they went 10 years without winning one. There was a big swath where there were other other champions. And boy, I know we were arguing about dynasties. I think part of a dynasty is that you look at a team going, boy, what type of a chance do we have against them no matter what? And here's the here's the or the the Chiefs, man. I mean, it is. I don't yeah, know what I'm, to do with them. I'm I'm sick of the Chiefs, but I I have to I have to hold off and say you do get a chance to watch greatness. So I'm sure there were there were NBA fans that were sick of LeBron, but every year he's in the finals, the stakes are just higher. Yeah. And so games yeah. that involve Patrick Mahomes just mean more. They just do. That's a testament to him. So it's so I'm 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 in this weird territory with him where I'm like, uh, anybody but the Chiefs. But at the same time, I am watching that game. I am Without dialed in. He matters just more than anybody else in that league right now. And it's not, it's, it's not particularly close, right? Well, because it's impre- it's so impressive. Because again, for all the reasons that we laid out, it's the ultimate team game, and they are not the same team they were. Three, four years. I mean, Owen knows this. Owen, yeah, who's I, left? I, Owen, who's Owen, you're left a Chiefs fan. I should let you in Super on this. Team. Yeah, go from ahead. The first Super Bowl team, yeah. Kelsey. <laughs> I mean, was, the line's totally different. Creed Humphrey wasn't. Creed no, Humphrey no, was still, not there. He no, was some, just a He was part of the reason that they're. So remember, they they lost to the Bucks, and that line was trash during yeah. the Bucks Super Bowl. Yep. And they went out and they hit three draft picks of linemen that year. They hit all three of them. Boy, Vita Vea was great in that game. Boy, was he great in that game. Uh, Chris Jones has been there, right? Chris Jones has been there. By the way, he, I, I don't, stat-wise, did he do anything stat-wise? He was incredible. He, he got held he, like 18 he, times and they called it. He was demolishing. I think that was a big reason. I think I think the start of that game, I think he was a big reason Lamar Jackson. Well, the difference between Lamar in that game and every other game, Admittedly, the Lamar games I've watched this year were Ravens in primetime and the two Browns games, right? But the only time that I saw him lose were when he tried to take off and only got two or three yards. There was only one play yesterday, and it was that batted ball that he caught through the air that he got more than 10 yards on the thing. Yeah, one of the great one of the great plays. I, I know. I, people brought up Brad Johnson. I go, this is one of the great plays I mean, I've if ever they seen. Win, if they win that game, it's on every highlight reel. Oh, for the rest isn't that of amazing? Yes. I yes. think that was part of the problem. Yes. It was a great play that gained how many yards? I think I, that one 12? got like, that one yeah. at least got a first down. It was yeah. a first down. That and was then he the gets best caught. play they had. It was so hard for them to get first downs. It was so, and even the few plays that he was accurate, then they didn't catch it. Or right. the, or the Kansas City <laughs> Uh, defense made a great play. Like I know they've been banged up along that offensive line. I was surprised that they just they got, got worked. Stoned. They got worked. It totally it totally bogged down his internal clock. Yeah. And I don't know whether this is a Munkin thing or a Lamar thing. They were not reading things at the line of scrimmage. They they were totally baffled on every play what was happening. And that's that's also part of the difference with Mahomes. That's what's different. You can show him a thousand looks. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Lamar is not, and and by, by the way, most of the other quarterbacks in the league are a lot more easily fooled than what, and, you know, take that for what it is. Is that can't read a defense? Is that struggles when he's down? And now all of a sudden, you know, they can they can dial up different kinds of, of blitzes and coverages. 
but Lamar could not see it at the line, and Munkin didn't help well, they, him, so it was, a, it was a disaster. I got reasons for that, but I'll share. I mean, we got four hours. I'll share it throughout the show. We got some big fish to fry today. We got a Super Bowl matchup coming up here in a couple of weeks. You have the Chiefs. 49ers came back from a 17-point deficit. They won against Detroit. Sadly, the San Francisco 49ers are going to the Super Bowl, so it's going to be Chiefs and 49ers in a rematch. Already tickets at $9,000 for this coming Super Bowl. But Ken Dorsey has been hired as the offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. And I, I, I ain't going to lie to you, Tona. I can't shake that negative feeling. We're getting into it next on The Fan. I'm fighting it. I want to be positive. I'm fighting it. I don't know if... The, he's just got to get the stank off him, and I don't know how else to do it. Ken Dorsey's been hired by the Cleveland Browns as their new offensive coordinator. There's no word yet on any press availability or anything like that. I don't know if they're going to have an introductory press conference with him or if we're going to be left to flap in the breeze until the combine or anything of, of that nature. Did they have, they had no, one well, with Jim Browns, Schwartz when he came here, didn't he? Didn't yes, they, they yeah. did. But the yeah, Browns still haven't officially said that. Ken okay. Dorsey's. Well, I understand. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. So I should probably, uh, it, it's been reported by the Schefter's and the Rappaport's of the world that uh, Ken Dorsey has been hired by the Cleveland Browns. So it seems to be uh, almost fully official here. But once they do that, that's when we'll find out if they have the yes press conference. So hopefully we'll come. Well, they they know the one question that's going to be asked, and we'll ask each other that question. I I just got to give my initial reaction. It is hard. Like as as Ty Dunn wrote the piece right after Ken Dorsey got fired, going this was not Ken Dorsey's fault. Warren Sharp, I remember. You have to go back to that. I think I'm right. Didn't Warren Sharp have a whole thing? This is not Ken Dorsey's fault. They both said, this is Sean McDermott's fault. And a lot of people were coming out. This is not on Dorsey. This is on McDermott. And still, I'm going, yeah. Well, we'll see. Like, I can't. Well, I remember. I can't shake the feeling. You know, you, you, you had the receipts for all of what those individuals said. I was on the air. And I... I didn't know. I wasn't closely following what was going on with Buffalo. We had double A every day talking about what a turnover machine that Josh Allen was. And he was. And he was. And he, really, he's always been his entire career. It's just he, he makes up for it in so many ways. And I remember pulling up the advanced numbers, and I'm like, Ken, did you know that the Bills were, all right, they're, they're number two in this category, they're number one in this category. Yep, number I remember two. this. Did you know Josh Allen is number two in this category, number three in this one, number one in this one? And I was like, man, I don't know that a coach has ever been fired with the, a coordinator has ever been fired with the offense clicking on numbers that like as a Browns fan, I would have died to have those numbers that the bills had problem was they were five and five. They had just lost to the Denver Broncos. It looked soul crushing. It looked like they were a team destined to miss the playoffs. And the one thing they did, who who is their offensive coordinator now? The one thing they ended Brady. up doing is Joe. they got James cook involved Yes. In every way. Not just running the ball, but catching the ball in the backfield. That was not a component of the offense early on. So I I guess the question would be like, what I'd love to know, and I'm sure Ken Dorsey was interviewed about this because he follows the league. He's trying to get a job. What did you think that was a mistake? Well, I think that was a mistake. Even though your numbers were good, you were not controlling games. You were leaving it up to Josh Allen. You were putting too much on his plate when you had this unbelievable weapon that turned out to be one of the better weapons in the NFL. Well, that's a good point. I do think, though, that the second half of the season, like, like, hey, they won, like, six games in a row after that. Like, what what are we supposed to say about how, how, quote-unquote, bad 
the Bills were after that happened. So there's no there's no evidence just when you see the wins and losses that the Bills were worse off when they got rid of when they got rid of Ken Dorsey. So that automatically had people going, well, what are we getting here with this guy? Well, I'm going to tell you what you're getting with him. They're, they want to throw the ball. You're going to throw the ball. Now, I don't know if he's calling plays yet. We, we don't know, and we'll talk about it seven, we, who we'd rather have calling plays. I don't know if he's going to call the plays, but I'm telling you right now, they interviewed Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore throws the ball. They interviewed Ken Dorsey and brought in Ken Dorsey. We know that Ken Dorsey's going to throw the damn football, and they're going to try to throw the ball. So the whole run with so-and-so, running all over the place, you're going to, guys, everybody who wants to run the ball and talk about AFC North football, you, me, everybody are just going to be just as frustrated about not running the football next year as we were this year and the years previous. You think you, you're you frustrated over running the ball now, you get better be ready for next year because you're going to throw the ball like crazy. Okay, that's what comes in with Ken Dorsey. But I do remember in the second half here, and this isn't to take anything away from Joe Brady. I got to see what they were beforehand with Ken Dorsey and ask some people from Buffalo and a couple of people from over there just to see what it was like. I remember Ross Tucker. I want to say Ross mentioned it on Afternoon Drive. But I know it was not just him. I believe Baldinger had mentioned it as well. Where in in games against Buffalo over the last few weeks of the season, it was almost as if they'd been figured out, but they were ahead enough that they could keep everybody at bay. Like there's a there's something that they do differently. And when teams started to figure them out, it was a little bit too little, too late. The Dolphins, remember, they got out again in a lead against the Dolphins. They were able to get them figured out. It just they weren't able to catch up with them. In the playoffs, they weren't able to do it with the Pittsburgh Steelers where the Steelers aren't as good as the Bills. And then by the time they really started to get close enough in the second half, Josh Allen was there to slam that door shut. In the game against Kansas City, it's Kansas City. They'll figure out just about everybody because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. So these are a couple of the things that I have to bring to it. Do I use it against the Bills and use it against Brady and say Ken Dorsey would have been better had they had lost to the Chiefs? That I can't do. I can't do because it's the Chiefs. But everywhere else, I want to go, how much better did they get? How much better did they get with the other offensive coordinator as opposed to Ken Dorsey? And I, I, what are the numbers? What would the numbers tell you? They were just way more balanced as a football team. They, they were very one-dimensional with Josh Allen. And we like balance. I like, I like being complimentary because if they end up like, if, if they end up throwing the ball like crazy, you might find yourself where, defenses, if, if you're just getting gassed and you can't get back out there in the field, or you are not, you can't stay out on the field long enough as an offense, your defense is going to eventually sh- shut down, and that's going to be the end of it. So those, these are a couple of things. Like, when we talk about complimentary football all the time, I think a lot of people just look at it as, this is a boilerplate phrase that we use to, to occupy the space. No, when I talk about a managing a football game, we're going to get nitty-gritty here. When you talk about managing a football game, this is one of the things that are tasked with Kevin Stefanski being the head coach and the play caller. Where's my defense at? Was my defense just out there for an eight-minute drive? Well, I got to get my defense a little bit of time to get their bearings together and get rest to get back out there in the field. So I can't necessarily just fly down the field and put myself in a third and long situation I thought the Ra- and then put my defense right back out there. I thought the Ravens struggled with that, by the way, yesterday. I think Munkin struggled think with that. Pro- yeah, I think you're right about I, that. I think his defense was, there, and I'm talking early on, their defense was so gassed. Can't and say then, they had a nine-minute drive. Yeah, and then what was Lamar doing? Seven-step drop, launching the ball down the field? Like, it made no sense to Yes, me. so these are a couple of the things. I'm glad you brought that up. These are a couple of things that have to be brought into consideration. And this is maybe, again, and I'm not going to give away what we can sell. We can talk about it at 7 o'clock whether or not we want Dorsey to call the call the plays or we want Stefanski to call the plays. 
But this might be in Kevin Stefanski's thinking. I don't know. Maybe he's going to hold on to play calling. But can I survey and make sure I'm not just caught up in yards, 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 points, 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 no matter what? And they don't – because a lot of offensive play callers, they're not caring about time and temperature and clock and, and timeouts and things like that. They're not worried about that. They're worried about yards, and they're worried about points. And they're going to go get them as fast as they possibly can, and that can put your defense at a disadvantage if you're not balancing out the football. Well, that was what you just explained. And I watched as many Texans games as anybody around because you know I couldn't stop annoying you, telling you about Deshaun Watson when he was young and in Houston. But they did not ever manage games. It was just, all right, go out there. Go out there, make plays. Go go launch the ball down the field. And he yeah. was amazing at it. He was incredible at it. Some of the, the greatest plays you'd ever see. But it was not managing a football game. Mm-hmm. It was, hey, let's just do it any way we could. Yep. And then, of course, it had almost negative uh, implications on the defense. So it, it, it's it's very sudden because of the way things went where it wasn't it wasn't justified what was said about Ken Dorsey right when the, right when he got fired, that this was all Sean McDermott's fault. They went on and they won. And, and Josh Allen was seemed to be upset about Ken Dorsey being fired and put it on himself and put it on the team and said it, it, a lot of people were saying that Ken Dorsey was a scapegoat for Sean McDermott and that this was going to bite the Bills in the ass and then they get to the divisional round. There's people who obviously want Sean McDermott still fired because they're not getting to where they want to be. But they were using Ken Dorsey, according to everybody else, as a scapegoat. But because the Bills still made the playoffs, they still won the division, there is that lurking feeling in the back of my head that I cannot possibly shake. That's like, well, what was the reasoning behind it? What, what, why, why were they more successful, quote unquote, with Brady than they were with him? I keep wanting to say Joe Barry because of the Packers. Uh, why were they more successful with Brady than they were with with Ken Dorsey? Like I, I have to keep asking me, and the and the negativity is still eating away at the it's, back of my head. It's normal. Guy got fired midseason on a really yeah. good team with a really good quarterback. I wonder what choice Ken Dorsey was for the Browns. Was I, he? I wonder. I wonder. Kellen Moore. Do you think he was number one? No, I do not. You don't. Who do you think? Do you think I, Kellen Moore I think was number Kellen one? Moore, it sounded the way that, and I can only judge this. I have no way to know. I'm being totally honest. I have no way. I'm talking out of my ass. But I'd the, be talking on my ass the way that it was being reported, uh, there was a lot of excitement about Kellen Moore all of a sudden, and then he ends up going to Philadelphia. 216-474-0092. Do you believe Ken Dorsey will be successful with the Cleveland Browns? And I don't know if you guys heard this because it was Friday. Deshaun Watson is already recruiting talent for next year's Browns. Ken Carmen, Anthony Lima, live on the fan. Coming up in a bit, you could ask Dan Campbell to stop being a man. Also the dangerous one at 8 o'clock. And where did, you asked a hell of a question, where was Ken Dorsey on the hiring sheet for the Cleveland Browns? Where was he on the wish list? Who did they interview? Oh, they interviewed did him. They interviewed like Jared Johnson. They interviewed. Gerard. Is it Gerard people or Jared? Kept, Gerard. People kept correcting us. Is it, it, are we sure it's it Gerard? It is Gerard. Okay. Gerard. Well, all right. Then. I've heard from someone that corrects. I've. Oh, really? Why didn't Keith a just tell me himself? Okay, so. They interviewed Gerard Johnson. And actually, and they interviewed I just, Ken I just Dorsey. Looked, I have the screen up for Gerard Johnson, HoustonTexas.com. It yeah. says biography. And before you can click to read more, yeah, kind of like when it says on certain sites to click more videos. Uh, this one of the biography says Gerard Johnson pr- pronounced J U H hyphen R O D. Well, there you go. 
Well, he ain't going to be here anyway. So uh, Gerard Johnson was interviewed. Uh, Ken Dorsey, uh, the guy from the Seattle Seahawks. Dickerson, who was the offensive line coach. And uh, Kellen Moore and a couple others, I think. Anywho, uh, so O'Brien Johnson from the Eagles, he was interviewed. So there you go. Uh, So there's a lot of conversation around this guy. For for Ken Dorsey, does anybody else in the room get get that weird feeling? Because it's unfair to say, well, he's going to be terrible because he was terrible with the Bills. I don't think he was terrible with the Bills. Every stat says he wasn't terrible with the Bills. Well, I think the more important question is, what is his role going to be here? Yeah. And maybe, I know that's, maybe when I find the clarity, I'll feel better. I know that's a silly thing to ask about an offensive coordinator. Like, if, if Stefanski was here and I said, what is it you're going to have Ken Dorsey do here? I think he would be, like, kind of insulted because he's an offensive coordinator. Coordinate the offense. Okay, but <laughs> but what does that mean? Are you going back to the lab? Are you starting from scratch? You remember we were so excited about everybody how has a lab to work. All you gotta have the lab. I mean, what do you? What are you if you're an offensive coordinator? You're you don't go scientist. in the lab. Yeah. I remember I heard Peter Schrager on a podcast talking about uh, Kyle Shanahan and all that time to prepare for this game. Well, Kyle Shanahan's gonna go go to the lab, and I'm like, oh, how'd the lab work? Ten minutes into that game when they were down three scores. <laughs> Like I think we get a little carried away with the lab and what goes down at the lab. I uh, I don't know how successful he's going to be. I because I don't know I don't have clarity yet on who's making the decisions on what plays to call. I just know that they're probably going to be throwing the ball a lot more. They even even as it stands, I think they're going to throw the ball a ton. I think that Elijah Moore is going to get his chances next year. Well, you saw the running game at the end of the year. And so I know people might be shouting at their radio, what about Nick Chubb? We are in a holding pattern on Nick Chubb. We're in a holding pattern on all this right now. I am not right now. And you tell me, maybe I'm wrong. Call us up, let me know. If I'm doing a disservice to Nick Chubb, they already said it's basically two-a-days for Nick Chubb, how how, how much he is working his butt off to get back on the football field. Totally, I I would not expect anything other than that from Nick Chubb. That guy is going to do everything. If there's a chance he can come back and be Nick Chubb again, then fine. Me personally, I have low expectations on Nick Chubb returning and being the same Nick Chubb. I've just I've just heard too much about, you know, those injuries, how bad that was. That's basically as, almost as bad as you can have in terms of a just a debilitating injury and, and whether he's even going to be ready for the first month or two months of the season. I have no idea. Am I doing a disservice to Nick Chubb? Is that not fair to Nick Chubb? I uh n- no no I, I we're in a holding pattern with it like I don't you doubters it's not that it's that we don't know I haven't I don't talk to him a ton I have no idea so and barely talk to him anyway because he's a quiet guy so I don't know so basically I have to go on what we know is going to come back they're probably going to draft somebody they'll have Je- they'll have Jerome Ford uh, they'll have Nick Chubb at some point like again we don't know if Nick Chubb's going to start the year. With the Cleveland Browns. And again, they might want to still move away from run-centric as it was. So that's why they make some of these moves. Like right now, as as well as the team did in 2023, the offense is basically in a holding pattern right now. You mentioned Nick Chubb. I mentioned Deshaun Watson and how good's the shoulder going to be coming back? How good's the velocity going to be coming back? Is he going to be all there coming back. I hope he is. I, I assume in a lot of ways he will be, but I'm not sure about that. So everything seems to be in a holding pattern. And we, again, we don't know. We have our ideas of who we'd rather have call plays, and we'll talk about that at 7, but we don't know necessarily who's going to be calling those plays because different philosophies are going to matter. And then if it were to be Ken Dorsey, well, how much does Kevin jump in? 
216-474-0092. Also, uh, speaking of the Browns and Deshaun Watson, he was on Lockerverse on Friday. This at least dropped on Friday. And he gave a plea to T. Higgins, who's a pending free agent to sign with the Cleveland Browns. I know you were down the road with family ties. We want to pass the ball. That's what we're going to do. We're going to pass it a lot, you know what I'm saying, to Chubb and Ford. He ain't got to leave the state. He ain't got to leave the state. And we're going to take good care of you. The Cleveland fans are going to love you. They're going to love you to death. And we got the Clemson ties. We didn't get to play with each other, but this is our opportunity. So, like, man, come on over to the land. Man. <laughs> All right, that's Deshaun Watson talking about T. Higgins. Where the co-host says, well, you doesn't have to leave the state. There's a there's a big difference between Cincinnati and Cleveland as far as with the, the opposite ends of the state. Either way, would you like to take a swing at T. Higgins? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Would you like to take a swing at him over other people? Well, that's, that's what you got to we we got to go over at some point because they, they they're not going to be able to sign you know three wide receivers they yeah. wouldn't even have room, uh so you know Higgins Higgins had a weird year last year though I mean he was slow out of the gates I remember we had Rapine on and everybody's like what's going on with T Higgins then he had like a number of just those those annoying injuries that kind of stick with you and then he came on at the end of the season but you know too little too late because of the Burrow situation. And so it's really tough. He played 12 games last year, but he was in and out of a few of those two that he was yeah. playing in. So he had a rough year for him big time. But with all that said, I mean, he's a he's an upgrade. He's a total upgrade over Elijah Moore, right? Well, would you go to him? At, he's an upgrade over Elijah Moore. I mean, he's he's been uh, way more productive than Elijah Moore has been. Yes, he's been way more productive than Elijah Moore has been. He only had about 700 yards last year, which he's I think the, is the same as what Elijah Moore had. Yeah, at least he had 1,000 1, yards the previous two, two years seasons. in a row. Yes, you're right. He's not exactly a speedster. You know, you're you're not getting him to just be a burner. So I, that's why I wonder who else, well, what are the other have, names that are going to be available? With him, could it be, and this is going to be an old name, uh, is it Alvin Harper syndrome? Where it's like, hey, you're on the other side of Michael Irvin, you're going to be doing pretty well for yourself. If you're on the other side of Jamar Chase... You're going to be pretty doing pretty well for yourself. But if you add him to this wide receiver room, like anybody, you have to think about this. Like Mike Evans, if Mike Evans is available, like he's a big body target. He's been a very good wide receiver. I don't know what you would always have to ask what he has left in the tank, but I think you'd have to do that with everybody. Except I was asking for T. Higgins. I was asking that before this year, and then he put up. He a was great, monstrous. He, year. he was ex- he was excellent. That's why I find it hard to believe he's going to be available. But if you if you're the Browns, and that's possible, real quick, if you're the Browns, like if we have a choice, oh, I'd go Mike Evans. Okay, but do you want to get older real quick? Because now you already have Amari Cooper is approaching yeah. thirty. Right, look, it's you have Mike Evans in the same category. There is now now Mike Evans has been. You know, pretty damn durable over the last four years. I got T. Higgins, who is still in his mid twenties. So I, 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 these I have to take into consideration. Do you believe that T. Higgins is a legit number one in the NFL? No, you don't. No. Well, no. then I'm not sure if you're necessarily going after him because he's still going to command money, and you have money wrapped up in Amari Cooper. Now you can restructure that. You did trade a second-round pick for Elijah Moore. As as down as you are on Elijah Moore, and a lot of other people are, you still gave up a second-round pick for him. So what am I getting in return for that one? And it's you don't want to go the whole sunk cost thing, but you probably want to still invest in that. And then you have Cedric Tillman, who started to show up towards the end of the season, and he's a third-round pick. Like, I'm not going to say that Andrew Barry has all the wide receivers right. I, I, I've i accused myself of having a blind spot, and sometimes I wonder if Andrew has a bit of a blind spot for the position in the draft. But if I bring in T. Higgins, 
I'm still going to bring him in at a price. And if you're telling me he's not a legit number one on a competitive football team in the NFL, then I don't know if T. Higgins is the guy for you. And I'm not getting pushback on that here. So here we are. Deshaun yeah, Watson just, likes him, but you they both, me, well, both went to Clemson, I think, at different times. Yeah, but. you just asked me if I would pursue him, and I'm like, well, he's he, he'd be a much better number two in this offense. Now, either way, whatever you do um, at wide receiver, I, I guess, and I don't think this is a huge deal, but are you blocking Cedric Tillman's development? But, I mean, where they drafted him, I'm not all that concerned about that, but some people might be. Some people think that we do you think I hate to be this way because you can develop guys and there is such a thing as coaching them up for crying out loud. But do you think if you if that gets in the way, because the whole idea of it would be, well, you don't give up on Cedric Tillman. But if you were to make a move like that, it's going, okay. well, his what we see on the field on Sundays is going to go down because now you have to feed T, T Higgins and nobody wants to get rid of Amari Cooper. So this is a bigger conversation than what we originally thought about it. 216-474-0092. Let me just finish up on one thought on that when we come back. And it may be better for the Browns fans out there to dance with the devil they know. And maybe that's Kevin Stefanski calling plays. They just got John Dor or they just got Ken Dorsey. We'll talk about that when we come back. And eight o'clock, the dangerous one, Daryl Ryder on the fan. 